0: All right, good evening, everybody. Please turn your Bibles to Genesis 29, if you will. Genesis 29. And let's pray before we get started. Lord, we thank you for your word and uh, being able to hold it in our hands and to go over it tonight in the middle of the week here uh, to get refreshed from you by your spirit, by your word. Uh, We pray that we take it all in be encouraged um, to be able to walk this walk the way you'd like us to, and uh, to let tonight be one more step towards that perfecting, Lord. Your word is alive and sharper than any two-edged sword, and it cuts on purpose with, with reason, with, with, a, with a, a goal, and we pray that you do that tonight. We open ourselves up to whatever surgery you want to do in our hearts and in our lives today. And we pray that it would be very effective. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Jacob meets Rachel tonight in chapter 29. Jacob had an interesting encounter for the first time. His faith was his faith last week. Not his dad's, not somebody else's, but it was his. As he ran into the Lord at this place where he laid his head down on the rock, and set it up as a pillar after he had that mag- magnificent dream of the ladder and the angels ascending and descending on the ladder. And Of course, we went and alluded to the New Testament and uh, how Jesus used that to minister to one of his disciples. Anyway, Jacob's uh, on fire for the Lord. Now, he's only got a stick. <laughs> he came out of a very wealthy family, but he had to leave that very wealthy family, although he got the blessing... From his father through trickery through his mom's advice by the way which we'll see come up tonight but he left not with all the stuff he's he's got a stick and there he is and so he's going off to find a bride Um, his mom has sent him off his dad has doubled down on that blessing first by trickery secondly he blesses him though full well knowing that Jacob deserves the blessing it was God's plan all along And he had that encounter, and and this is what he came away from that encounter. So please remember this verse as we go through this. This is his state of mind. In verse 16 of last week, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. He was excited. In a place that he didn't expect to find Jesus or find the Lord at that time, he found him. God found him. Uh, It was in the middle of nowhere. God was, Jacob was understanding this, God was with him. No matter where he traveled, no matter what kind of stick he had, God was with him. And that's what we took away from it last week was God is with us no matter where we go. It isn't a location. It's not about being at this property or that property or that location. Geography-wise it's about him being in our hearts. And so he's with us. And he was excited to know that. He's in this place and I didn't know it. Not just with my dad in his tents. It wasn't just a the blessing that I received from the Lord wasn't collateral damage from my father, you know, just being around him. It's a big deal when that happens to us. It was a big deal for Jacob. And so he's moving forward with this excitement, traveling on to go East, to find his other family, basically the extended family that his mother came from, where his dad got his bride from. He's trying to find that same well. And you know, There's no road signs out there, you know, go past that big rock, which big rock, you know, there's a lot of rocks out here. And so you'll see that excitement as he finds the well, verse one of chapter 29. So Jacob went on his journey and he came to the land of the people of the East. That's his mom's side. And he looked and saw a well, on his dad's side too, but, and he looked and saw a well in the field, and behold, there were three flocks of sheep lying by it, for out of that well they watered the flocks. A large stone was on the well's mouth. Now all the flocks would be gathered there, and they, just some people, would roll the stone from the well's mouth and water the sheep, and put the stone back in its place on the well's mouth. Now they would do this because sandstorms or whatever would fill it in. And you want to keep that well open, and so you cap it. And so they had a specific, this is their routine. We'd gather, and we quickly, you know, roll this rock away, or they would, whoever they are. We don't know who they are. And then we'd water all the sheep. And so he comes across it, and that's how he sees it. There's a bunch of sheep over there. They're all lying down. Now, he's a shepherd, and he comes from that background, so he's got some advice to give here. Jacob has a hard time keeping his mouth shut. That's all right. Verse 4, And Jacob said to them, My brethren, where are you from? They said, We are from Haran. He said to them, Do you know Laban, the son of Nahor? And they said, We know him. This is, this is a guy conversation, isn't it? <laughs> There's there's no depth, there's no details or anything like that. Where are you guys from, Ron? You know Nahar? Yep. (laughs) Is he well? He's well. You know, there's no, sorry, ladies, that's just kind of how we are. He says, and look, the daughter of Rachel is coming with with the sheep. In other words, stop talking to us, ask her about these things. Here's a woman, she'll talk, she'll share with you. He said, "Look, it is still nigh or high high day or nigh. It is not time for the cattle to be gathered together. Water the sheep and go and feed them." I mean, who's this kid? What are you guys doing here? Y'all, sheep are laying around here. You're not watering them. What's going on? What's the deal? This isn't time to be doing all this stuff. Who are you? You know. So he's making a great impression right away. But they said we cannot until the flocks are gathered together, and they, whoever they are have rolled the stone from the well's mouth and we water the sheep. I don't mean to make a big deal out of that they thing, but we got some perfectly good shepherds here at a well with their flocks and they're all sitting around waiting for they to show up, whoever they are. Well, they haven't come to undo the rock. <clears throat> and, and maybe there's nothing to it at all, but I'm going to springboard off of this and use it to teach anyway. Because if we wait around all day long for they to show up, it's our responsibility to get that well open. It's our responsibility to feed our sheep. It's our responsibility to do that. It's not they. I see that a lot. We can pass the buck. We can give up our responsibilities as spiritual leaders in our home or spiritual leaders anywhere we go and expect they to do it. Why aren't they doing more? How many times have I heard, you know, the church, the church, the church? If they, if they, if they. Who's they? They? It's you, it's me, were they? You're the shepherd of that flock, right? Mm-hmm. You're supposed to water them, right? Mm-hmm. It's your responsibility to take care of them. Mm-hmm. Then they'll move the rock and go get some water for them. Well, they don't have a youth group. <sighs> Can't worry about they need to do it. And Jacob, this doesn't compute for him. Why are you guys waiting around? This isn't even the right time. Well, this is kind of how we do it. We've always done it this way. We all gather in the morning. We're going to change some things around when I get hold of this group. He does. This guy's going to be very successful. You know, as much as we make fun of Jacob, Jacob knows what he's doing. Jacob has the blessing of God on him, and he's got his dad's blessing upon him. And I don't think, he, I don't know if anybody understands how important that is to have on your life. Jacob's going to have wisdom that nobody else has. Jacob's going to have knowledge, understanding, abilities. He's going to be very successful, and it's all because of the Lord. Very important we understand that in our lives. So when he's saying this to them, he's already taking a leadership role, and they don't even know who he is, appropriate or not. You know, there are some guys, I I hate advice, hate it when I don't ask for it, and I hate it especially when they're right. drives me crazy, you know? Hey, you know, I wouldn't be doing it that way. Oh, really. Well, why don't you show me how it's done? No, you're not going to get up and move, are you? You're just going to tell me how I'm doing it wrong, right? And then I'm up there doing it, and I realize, you know, it would be a better way to do it. I hate that. And that's kind of where Jacob is. He's one of those guys. Now, while he was still speaking with them, because here comes Rachel, with her father's sheep, for she was a shepherdess. So right off the bat, they've got something in common, right? And it came to pass when Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother. Now remember Laban. Laban was the one. Remember with Isaac. And Okay, just keep that in mind. We're back to Laban now. His mother's brother. And the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother, that Jacob went near and rolled the stone from the well's mouth. He ain't waiting for They and watered the flock of Laban, his mother's brother. Then Jacob kissed Rachel and lifted up his voice and wept. And Jacob told Rachel that he was her father's relative and that he was Rebecca's son, so she ran and told her father. This is like the original kissing cousins here, just you know. Talk about making an impression when you show up. Some dude walks in with a stick. I, I don't mean to make it like a movie, but I can just see this, you know. What are you guys all doing around here? Well, we're waiting for they to show up. You know, and he's asking all these questions. And, hey, here comes a pretty girl with all the sheep. And I know I'm supposed to find her at this. Well, let let me show her how tough I am. You know, I'm strong. First of all, I'll move that stone by myself. We ain't waiting for they. I'll get your sheep taken care of here. And by the way, you know, whoa, who is this guy? He's larger than life. I mean, he shows up on the scene. He doesn't wait around. Now, maybe that's the way he was brought up in a big house with lots of tents. You know, number two guy, you know, we got Esau, and brother, he's a little bigger and hairier and all that. And he'd like to shoot things. But I was the guy in charge of the kitchen at the house. You know, maybe he's not used to being told what to do. He is very used to telling people what to do. It's just that, that personality he's a leader. He just is maybe not a great one, but that's who he is. And so he says, don't you realize we're cousins? And she goes and runs and goes and tells her dad. And it came to pass when Laban heard the report about Jacob, his sister's son, that he ran to meet him and embraced him and kissed him and brought him to his house. See, now you understand what the kissing is all about. It's not exactly romantic. It's a greeting. It's a, you know, I got, I've got some in-laws that don't even like the hug. So when I show up and I'm hugging my son and I'm hugging my daughter-in-law and I walk up to, hello, David Warner. You know, it's just, it ain't happening. You know, He we could punch each other or something. He's a hockey guy. Um, so maybe I'll kiss him next time I see him and just really throw him for a loop and just plant one right on him. David, you know, that's how they do it. So they're saying hi to I mean, this is, this is a, it's an exciting thing because you don't, We read to our kids at nighttime, and we're going through uh, this Oregon Trail thing with them right now, and I'm listening to this, and I'm like, man, I would not survive the Oregon Trail. I had to stay in New York and live there. No way. The way they talk about it and the trials and the struggles. And as she's writing this letter to her grandmother, whom she left behind, telling her how they made it and they're okay and everything's right, she realizes she's never going to see her again. And that kind of set with me as I was laying there. I listened, Jenny reads to me, too. You know, I'm like one of the kids. I'm, a, I'm listening to Jenny read, and she's reading to the kids. And I'm, I'm, I'm learning more from their homeschooling than I ever learned in school. I'm listening and going, oh, yeah. And it settled in with this young lady as she was writing about to her grandmother that grandma can't come out here. She could never make that trip. I'm never going to see her again. And they were like this. And I almost started, you know, I'm like, you know, getting i'm a crier when it comes to that kind of stuff and I, you understand what's happening here then with this kiss with this relatives meeting it's like we don't see each other like this it isn't like just hopping on a plane or hopping on a car or whatever it's a big deal so kind of getting the moment here as they're kissing and, oh man this is great jacob oh my goodness i i haven't seen your mom i mean since she left it's been a year that you're, the, you're her son, first time they've ever met you know my nephew here. Um, Anyway, here's my daughter. Um, kind of funny. So he kissed him, brought him into, into the house. And so he told Laban all these things. I mean, talk about catching up. So here's what's happened to me the last 32 years. And Laban said to him, Surely you are my bone and my flesh. And he stayed with him for a month. Well, after a month passes, Laban says, Because you are my relative, should you therefore serve me for nothing? Tell me, what should your wages be? Now we're switching gears here. You've heard it said it's probably not a good idea to get into business with relatives because things go south sometimes, and then you have issues, and it's just best to keep relatives, relatives, and let's not co never co-sign for a relative. You know all those things that we hear about, warning us. Well, Jacob's making the relationship business now. Hey, you've been here a month, you know. I think you should serve me for money. Now, Jacob's never had to do that before. He's grown up in a household where you served, for sure. You helped your dad. You were part of that business, you know, but you're VP, you know. This is not what Laban's asking him to do. He's asking him to be a general laborer, basically a slave, a servant. And you need wages is what he's telling him. Laban is that way. Now, Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah's eyes were delicate, but Rachel was beautiful of form and appearance. Now, Jacob loved Rachel, so he said, I will serve you seven years for Rachel, your younger daughter. Those will be my wages. I want your younger daughter, Rachel. Now, there's a lot of speculation as to what delicate eyes means, but by The way they describe Rachel, we know that it doesn't mean she's very attractive. It means the opposite. She was, had delicate eyes, but Rachel was beautiful in appearance. So that means Leah wasn't necessarily. Perhaps she was nearsighted, farsighted, cross-eyed. I mean, we don't know what Leah looked like, but she was not Jacob's first choice. Jacob loved Rachel. and He's in love with Rachel. This is where culture gets in the way. I'm so glad that Christ came. I'm so glad that Jesus came and straightened things out and got rid of all this garbage. Because this is going to do nothing but harm people here as they follow the customs and traditions. Jesus changed all that. I don't think we realize how different the church was from the culture that they were around. You saw in his writings, Paul's writings, trying to encourage all these people that are in this Greco-Roman mindset of polytheistic uh, relationships with many, many gods and many, many wives and many, many lovers and many, many mistresses and all this just bizarre, trying to undo all that to these Christians who are, "Mm -mm, no, women are not cattle. No, they're not to be bartered for. They're people and they're equal. There is no difference. There's no male. There is no female. There is no Jew. There is no Gentile. You're either with Christ or you're without Christ. He changed so much. And we see this, the natural inclination for Jacob was I fall in love with a woman named Rachel, but because of the culture, the culture is going to get in the way and it's going to get ugly. God will work through it, but Laban's going to step in here and do some things culturally that are not acceptable. And they're deceptive and Caused so much problems, so much pain and suffering. It's actually going to help us understand the selling of Joseph later on in the story. We forget these are people. I, it's very important when I, when I read, and this is something I do personally, is I make all these people five years old at some time in their life, because I get a five-year-old. Five-year-olds are probably the most real people you'll ever meet. They're the most honest. They're the most, they're just, they're right, they're right in the sweet spot. You know, five-year-olds, five to eight. I'll give them a a break there. After that, they start figuring things out. They start changing. They start becoming older, mature adults. You, sorry. Five-year-olds, totally get them. Best class you'll ever teach is a five-year-old class. Hardest class you'll ever teach, too, because they don't think like you do. They think better than we do. So I make Jacob five years old as he watches his dad fawn over Esau. You know? Um, I, I, I make Laban five years old. I don't know what happened to him to turn him into Laban, but something happened. And you watch all these people turn from sweet, innocent kids who, yeah, they have a sin nature, but for the most part, they're super forgiving, they're super loving, and all they want is to be loved. God has designed us to be a part of a family in a specific way. We're supposed to receive certain things from our parents. We're supposed to have experienced what it's like to be loved and cared for and fed and nourished and cherished and and we're supposed to grow up that way that's how it's supposed to be and most of us i did I, i'm not bad mouth my parents i got i got a lot so much but so many of you and so many people in this world did not have what they were supposed to have and it changed them and it hardened them And they've grown older, and they've embraced sin, and they've embraced the things that make them happy because they had to do something because, nope, you know, things happen. I'm not blaming society. There's nurture and there's nature. I understand all that. We have that sin nature. Something happens to people as we get older. Christ takes us back to five years old, takes us back to where we were takes us back to that sweet spot where we have sensitive hearts, gentle spirits. We love people. We forgive people. We look at Jesus and we watch him interact with his disciples and and wanting to heal everybody, wanting to take care of everybody, wanting everybody to be fed, wanting everybody to be... And that's where he wants to take us to. That's where he's moving us to. So when I look at these absolutely messed up scenarios here these completely dysfunctional families not how it was intended to be not how it started this is all a result of a sin nature from parents to grandparents but somewhere along the line it has to stop and we've talked about that that's what christianity does that's what falling in love with jesus does that's what receiving christ as your lord and savior does not only saves you from your sin which is absolutely all that matters is that he saves us from our sin, that you understand your sin has separated you from God, but then fixes it and corrects it, gives us a new heart, gives us the mind of Christ, begins to change us from the inside out back to where we're supposed to be. So as we get into Laban and Jacob and Rachel and Leah and all the kids, we start to understand for ourselves how important it is to be obedient to God. It's not a smorgasbord that I can't pick and choose. I need to be obedient to God's word in every area, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, if I can. I mean, that's the goal. Because it brings us back, it fixes us. So Leah's not very pretty. He did not set his eyes on her. It was not love at first sight. But Rachel, honestly, was the first one to the well. He's the one she saw. Very much like what happened to Dad and Mom. This is a beautiful picture. I see this going well. I've been, I had an encounter with the Lord. I mean, you remember Eliezer walking up to this well. The servant finding the bride for Isaac, sight unseen, tells Ray, tells her, "Come on back with me, Rebecca. Come on back and meet your husband." I trust the Lord too. I know this is of God. Boy, hope he's cute and finds out that he must be okay because Isaac and her get along really, really well, you know. So Jacob comes into the same situation, finds the same well. I can't believe it. I didn't miss a road. God brought me right here in the middle of a desert past that third rock on the right. You know, how do I know where I'm going? But God brought me right to where I'm supposed to be. And right when I show up, here comes Rachel. You know, this is just like mom and dad. This is great. This is the Lord. He's on cloud nine. He's been with this Laban guy for a month. Laban wants to figure out what he's all about. What does he want? What are your wages? He says, well, I really like Rachel, and all I've got is this stick. So how about you let me work for you for seven years for Rachel, your younger daughter? And Laban said, it is better that I give her to you than I should give her to another man. Stay with me. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel and they seemed only a few days to him because, he, because of the love that he had for her. Now there were strict rules that they'd have to adhere to as an unmarried man and an unmarried woman. There was none of this dating stuff. There was another spending the night at someone's house watching Netflix, but we didn't touch each other kind of thing. There was none of that going on. Supervise, chaperone, stay away, certain amount of time, you're done, get out of here, go back to your own tent, you know, kind of thing. Seven years he's been watching her walk to the well. Seven years he's been doing what he's supposed to do and he loves her. He's willing to wait seven years for her before he touches her. That's love. We do a disservice to love by using the term making love. We use it it's a tremendous disservice and it is a deceptive term to use i, I I've never taught on this before, but it probably needs to be taught. Um, when you say to someone, let's make love, you're not. You're making lust. You're fulfilling the eros portion of love, if you want to use the term. to say, let's make eros. But when it comes to agape love, when it comes to love that is giving and not worrying about receiving that is completely others centered and not self-centered. This is what we're seeing in these seven years. This is making love without touching anybody. I love you. That's love. The other sex. It's a completely different thing. It's something you do with someone you love, someone that's already been established as your wife or your husband Because what we're going to see here in this strange scenario is a man who is willing to have eros with a woman he is not interested in. There is no love involved in this, but will do whatever he wants to with her so that she can have children and he can have children by her, but there is no love attached to it. And when we teach our daughters and we teach our sons that somehow that is That's the pinnacle of love, that eros, that physical relationship that you have. It's not. It's a mistake. Love can wait seven years before they touch. Not an issue. Not a problem. Seemed like a few days. Seemed like a few days to him, he says. So he does it. Then Jacob said to Laban, Laban, Give me my wife, (laughs) for my days are fulfilled that I may go into her. Now, he's excited about being physical with her, as he should be. Don't make any mistake about that either. The two shall become one flesh, and it's not talking about shaking hands. So we get that, right? That's after love has been established. It's It's time. Seven years are up. And Laban gathered together all the men of the place and made a feast. Now it came to pass in the evening that he took Leah, his daughter, and brought her to Jacob. And he went into her, and Laban gave his maid, Zilpah, to his daughter Leah as a maid. So it came to pass in the morning that, behold, it was Leah. And he said to Laban, What is this you have done to me? Was it not for Rachel that I serve you? Why then have you deceived me? Ironic. I mean, we all see that, right? Jacob, the deceiver, just got deceived by Laban. I just walked away from a scenario where I put on fur to imitate my brother to be blessed. Instead of my older brother, I get the blessing. Ha ha. Guess whose idea it was? Whose idea was it? Rebecca's. Who's Rebecca's brother? Laban. I hate to say it, but she brought some interesting things into the marriage from her family. And here, So some of us are wondering, maybe you're wondering if you don't understand how this... How do you not know? Well, the woman is veiled. And I don't mean like the veil that you see that we buy today with, what is it, taffeta? What's that made of? Whatever. Some kind of see-through mesh. I'm learning. I've got daughters. I'm sure I'll be well-versed in all of that eventually. But taffeta, you should be impressed that I know the word taffeta. Okay? Let's move on. Tooling. Tooling? Huh? Okay. Anyway, that ain't that. I mean, it's like we can't see her through there until she lifts it up. So she's been there the whole time, must have been about the same size, completely covered head to toe with this veil on, and he thinks he's standing next to her. They go in, they wait till the evening. That wouldn't be hard to do. She takes off her veil, but there ain't no electricity back then. Now, behind the scenes, do you understand that Leah knows what she's doing? Do you know that Rachel knows what's happening that day? And Laban knows what's happening that day. The only person that doesn't know what's happening that day is old Jake here. So Jake comes out and says, now, do you understand how that would, I mean, do you see the emotions here? As he looks at her, Leah, for the first time in the morning, and makes that face. Oh my God, what is this? How does she feel right now? as the tender-eyed older daughter that couldn't get a husband, who had to trick her way into getting a husband, okay? Imagine Rachel, who has obviously fallen in love with Jacob too, sitting there that night knowing that he's in with my sister right now. And Laban is at home going, (laughs) got him, got him. This is bad on so many levels, we don't even have time tonight to hit all these things. This is horrible. But Jacob is learning a lesson too at the same time. I'm not saying this is orchestrated by God, but you do reap what you sow. And here he finds himself in a position to fully understand what his dad felt like, what his brother felt like when he just did what he just did with his mom that trick. Why then have you deceived me? And Laban said, it must not be done so in our country to give the younger before the firstborn fulfill her week and it will. Uh, and we will give you this one also for the service with which you serve uh, with me still another seven years. Another seven years, you can have the other one too. Side note, the word week there helps us understand how the word week is used throughout scripture. This is we have a week of days, we have a week of years, we have a week of months. When they use the word week, they literally just mean seven, but it could be seven of anything, just so you know. It helps you understand the book of Revelation and so on. But fulfill her week and we'll give you this one also. For the service we... Didn't you know? Laban says. it's how we do it around here. It's custom. We don't ever give the younger. I mean, you should have been here seven years. You didn't know that. No, no, Laban, nobody knew you were going to do what you were going to do. Nice try. It's just an excuse. He's just a weasel. He's a weasel. I mean, that's a fact. What happened to Laban? How do you get to that place? You know? I just, you can't help but focus, not focus on Leah right now. And she's, she just got robbed. This is the family she's grown up with. This is the way. She's going to be given in in marriage. This is not the wedding she imagined for herself. This is not how it was all supposed to go. Every girl has their idea of how this is all going to happen. I've got pictures. I've got thoughts. I've got ideas. I've got a Pinterest page going, you know, collecting all these ideas. This is not how she thought it was going to go down. Horrible. Just give me another seven years. You can have Rachel too. Then Jacob did so and fulfilled her week. So he gave him his daughter, Rachel, as wife also. And Laban gave his maid, Bilhah, to his daughter, Rachel, as a maid. Then Jacob also went into Rachel. And he also loved Rachel more than Leah. And he served with Laban still another seven years. We're on 21 years now. It writes that down. The Bible documents the fact that Jacob loved Rachel more than Leah because it was well known and he made it known. This is probably one of the best men's retreat studies we could probably ever do, guys. We need to pay attention to how we treat our wives and our daughters and our kids to make sure that nobody knows that there is a preference. No, guys, you can't window shop. Not appropriate. No, you can't give favoritism to one kid or another kid. It's absolutely wrong. And if you've ever felt that in your life, In a way, I'm glad because you won't repeat it, will you? If you've ever felt that from some other adult that you love so much and just wanted their love and affection, but you knew they had preference over there, you'll never do that to anybody else. Please remember that feeling. Learn from those times. It has to stop somewhere. I'm sorry for your pain. I'm sorry for the hurt and the loss that you're feeling. I understand it. God understands it. He's going to show Leah how much he understands it then just make sure that you do not ever carry that on to anybody else. Jacob did not understand fully what he had done to his dad and to his older brother until now, and now he knows. So, what do you do? I've got a woman that I loved. I got tricked because of some custom that I didn't know anything about. And here I sit with two wives. God's told me specifically I'm not supposed to multiply wives to myself. And we could kind of point our finger at this, and I, oh boy, am I going to, eh, I better, I'll steer clear of that. I better steer clear of that. We don't multiply spouses to ourselves in mass. We kind of make fun of the Mormons sometimes, don't we? <laughs> Polygamy, what a crazy thing. No, but we do do it in series. We do do it in series, not in mass. But in series, we can. And I say that not to hurt feelings. And I say that not to dig up old problems because this is where healing happens. This is where we change our lives. We start fresh. Starting now, we start differently. But please understand that as we go through these 12 boys that are born into Jacob's household by four different women, that there is a pecking order, that there are preferences, and all these kids know where dad's affections lie. And it's with his two boys that came from Rachel, and all the other 10 are upset about it. And they know it, and they can feel it, and they can sense it, which helps us understand why Joseph's going to get sold, and Benjamin's going to be offered up. They don't care. Those are the two that are going to come from Rachel, as we'll see in the next week. We have to learn from that. Fine. We've collected some spouses. Fine. We're Christians now. We start now. We're new. Fix it. Work on it. Make sure that you're not showing preferences to any of the stepkids. Make sure you're not showing any preferences to any of the, they don't, we don't need any more collateral damage. It has to stop with you. And you just have to make a concerted effort to make sure that you're loving everybody like you're supposed to be loving them. And they need to know it. So important. And Christ will equip you to do that. And he'll give that to you. And his word through these horrible examples is teaching us tonight to be very aware of what these people apparently aren't aware of. We have this beautiful 40,000 foot view of their lives It's hard to see our lives sometimes when we're standing in the middle of it. But when we look at somebody else, we're like, man, why isn't this guy? Oh, you know, well, that's me. When the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. So Leah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Reuben, for she said, the Lord has surely looked on my affliction. Now, therefore, my husband will love me. See it? Her firstborn son, her firstborn son, she names, maybe my husband will love me now. I mean, not in that many words, but she's hoping that this firstborn son who's now the heir has to be the heir. He's the firstborn son, according to all the rules that we live by here. He's got to be the one. So maybe maybe now that's how hard she's taken this. That's how hard she, she lives this life. Some of you have lived a life of suffering for years and years and years and years and years. You've been unloved. You've been uncared for. You haven't felt the affection you're supposed to feel. I understand that. Leah understands that. God sees it. He didn't give her Reuben so that Jacob would love her. Has anybody ever had a kid before? You know why you get kids? Because you'll never experience unconditional love like that from anybody else in the world than from your kids the closest to god's love you'll ever experience is when your little 5-year-old is looking up at you hugging you with their little chubby cheeks smashed against your little chubby cheeks as we get older we get chubbier it's just the way it is that's why i gave him reuben i see that you're unloved let me give you someone that's going to give you so much affection but she doesn't see it she sees him as a commodity The Lord has surely looked on my affliction. Now, therefore, my husband will love me. Then she conceived again and bore a son and said, because the Lord has heard that I am unloved, he has therefore given me this son also. She called his name Simeon. She's still not getting it. I've got two boys, two to zero. Anybody keeping track? Two to zero. She conceived again and bore a son. And said, now, this time, my husband will, come, will, be attached, will become attached to me because I have borne him three sons. Therefore, his name was called Levi. Three to zero. I mean, this is undeniable that I am blessed of God and she is not. This is her sister, by the way. We forget that in the story. These are sisters. They're supposed to love each other. Now they're in competition with each other. This is such a bad scenario. Now the fourth one though, she starts to get it. And she conceived again and bore a son and and said, now I will praise the Lord. Therefore she called his name Judah and she stopped bearing. Interesting. She doesn't stop for good. It's a pause. It's a break. She'll get two more, boys and a girl. But after the Fourth boy is born, she realizes, you know what? It ain't about kids. And in fact, every time that we've conceived, you all understand how babies are conceived, right? Jacob's felt nothing for her. There is no love. It's all robotic, it's all physical, it's all Eros. There's no agape at all. Girls, please hear that. You cannot keep a husband, you cannot keep a boyfriend, you cannot keep anybody through Eros does not mean that there'll be a return of agape towards you. It's just just robotic to them at times. She gets it. Now I will praise the Lord. Therefore she called his name Judah. She's got her eyes. Do you understand Judah is the line of Jesus? What a great study to go through all the women in this line of Jesus. Judah is the line of Jesus. That's where he comes from. Levi, that's the Levitical priesthood. This woman gets blessed more than she will ever know by these two boys. The Messiah of the world is going to come through her, not Rachel or anybody else. And the Levitical priesthood is going to come through her boy too. She's so blessed. God didn't give her these boys to get Jacob's attention. God is just blessing her and blessing her and blessing her. And he's going to use these kids. And that's where we close. I'd love to do chapter 30, but there's just no way to do it justice. I want to take the time next week and we'll go through it. Then we'll pick up the pace again. I know we're, we kind of went a little slow, but I, there is a, a quote, and I'll, I'll, I'll give it to you. This from uh, David Guzik. It says this, Our disobedience may not derail God's plan for our life, but it will greatly affect how we end up experiencing it. And it takes time to chew on that a little bit. and I had a lot of time to do that as I was studying. But as you see Jacob tricking dad and mom being a part of it, God's plan wasn't thwarted, but it's greatly changing the way Jacob's going to experience the plan of God. We can experience God's plan because it will be fulfilled. God will accomplish everything he set out to do. He will not be defeated and isn't defeated. But in obedience, I will experience that plan in a beautiful way. In disobedience, I will experience God's plan, but not how he intended me to experience it. There's no better place but through the obedience of Christ to experience what's unfolding before us and going step by step through what God has for us. I don't want to haphazardly stumble through God's plan for my life, you know, tripping and stumbling and being in a state of confusion my entire life. I want to walk purposefully hearing the still small voice of God and walking in the plan and knowing that this is the next step. And this is the next thing I'm going to do. Be obedient to God tonight. Be obedient to God tomorrow. Look at the people in front of you. Be like Christ to them. And it just unfolds in a beautiful way. And you experience it in an amazing way. Or we see the example here of Jacob. You see the example here of Laban. Yeah, it's all coming to pass we've, we've got a Judah. We've got a Levi now. Those boys needed to be born somehow, some way. We're going to use them. It's all going to be a part of the plan. But boy, it got ugly real quick, didn't it? It didn't need to be like this. So what's the encouraging side of this? Well, the encouraging side is we learn from it. You know, I just want to be very aware of how I'm treating people around me. Be very aware of my responsibility and how people see me. And and you don't want to bring any harm. You remember that, that prayer Jabez? I want you to increase my tent pegs. But I love the ending of that prayer. I mean, it's all about expanding and getting more and doing all that. And it's obviously for the Lord. And I think it's been taken out of context so many times. But the end of that prayer There's a beautiful part of says, but whatever happens, just I don't want to do any harm. There's so much harm being done to people. There's so much harm being done to you through this world and things. and, And we know that. And God sees that and he sees all the harm. But he's also given us the spirit of Christ so that we can stop and start, stop harming and start undoing harm. Start being a blessing. Start talking to the little kids that are out there in our Sunday school class and our Wednesday school class who didn't have a good day at school, who may not have a great home life, but we want them to run into us here. They they need to run into Jesus every now and then. So they see the contrast. That's what Jesus looks like. You're not what Jesus looks like. Very important. And I don't want to be that example. I want to be this example, you know, Let's walk in obedience tonight, tomorrow, the rest of our lives. Let's pray. Lord, we love you and we thank you for your word. We thank you for Jacob. We hate seeing what Leah has to go through. We hate seeing what Rachel's having to go through. We hate what Laban's doing, but something happened to these folks. And we know that you step into our lives as a savior to change us from the inside out to move us to that place of obedience. When you say, be holy for I'm holy, it's not because you don't want us to have fun. It's because that is where life is. That is where beauty is. Peace, long-suffering, patience, kindness, joy is in holiness. Help us to be holy, to trust you when you tell us to do that because that's the best. And will be a blessing to those around us. We thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for this time tonight. Bless these folks as they go. In Jesus' name, amen.